If you are a businesswoman working to amplify your six and seven figure business from success to significance, then you know it's not just about the right strategies or the right tactics. It's more and more about high caliber people around you, your team, your collaborators, and advisors that can open doors for you and widen your reach. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast with your hosts, Dr. Monica Ogando and Amy Walker. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast. I'm your co-host, Amy Walker. I'm Dr. Monica Ogando. And today we are going to be having a conversation around how do we structure our offers? So we know that some of you are in real estate. We know that some of you are in um, product sales. We know that you might be in retail. And this conversation is really going to be around, based around service providers. How do you structure your offers as a service provider? However, we want you all to stay plugged in because even if you are, like let's say you're selling cars, a car is a car is a car no matter who sells it. It's really your service and the packaging that you wrap around it that sets you apart. So if you're sitting here going, oh, but that's not for me, it is for you. That's <laughs> how you distinguish yourself. If you have a product, so do other people. But the way that you wrap your service around it is really what it comes down to. So it's going to be a juicy one, Monica. I got so much information on this in my brain. I love it because, you know, my clients sometimes tease me with the, you know, the little kid from, um, Sixth Sense mm -hmm. in that movie that he says, I see dead people, right? <laughs> and my clients yeah. are like, Monica sees dead presidents. She sees money everywhere. <laughs> so, so I'm excited oh, to monetize this. Side note, <laughs> I hate scary movies. And that was the second to last scary movie I watched before I was like, no, never again. I will never watch a scary movie again. So that was my second to last. And then I was like, mm -mm, can't do it you okay well I'm glad I'm glad I caught you before so you can understand the reference <laughs> I know so basically anything what lies beneath was the last scary movie so any other scary movie since then I promise you I have not seen it because I legit can't sleep for like a week <laughs> it's really bad all right so let's talk about this um, so in terms of structuring your offers you there are two things that I want to bring up two things Mm -hmm. One is you have to consider that you have two tracks of, of clients or of customers or audience members. There are people who are fast action takers. Mm -hmm. who are like, just tell me what it is and how much and what I get and here's my money. And then there are folks who are like, ah, but wait, but I need more information. And they're just kind of perusing and doing research, et cetera, et cetera. If you've taken the Colby, then you know that there are some folks who fire first and aim later. And then there yep. are some folks who aim first. And, and sometimes just aim <laughs> and they don't fire at all. I'm, um, aiming, so you, I'm aiming, still aiming. <laughs> exactly. Still aiming. Yes. I know those people. Yeah. I, I've been those people. There've been some times in my life when I've missed some opportunities because I'm too busy aiming and not firing. Oh, I've never done that in my life, but I am married to an aimer, which is good. Oh. Cause I'm like fire, fire, fire. Oh wait, where are we? What are we doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you have to understand that your clients and your customers are, in that decision matrix also. So mm -hmm. part of structuring your offer is how do you get to the yes 
as easily and as clearly as possible. And you have to take into account when people are ready to make that buying decision. So even if somebody is ready to make the buying decision as soon as they land on the website or as soon as they hear your podcast interview or as soon as they read your book, et cetera, you want to structure your offer so that you can capture the immediate yeses and give information for the later yeses as well. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think with the way that we have evolved in our marketing funnels, it's great because you have that opportunity, right? So if, even if you just think about like a, like a click funnel style funnel where you have the offer and then you position that. So it goes like offer, offer, offer from one page to the next, you're capturing those fast yes people. But the great part about it technology wise is you know where they didn't move forward and now you can pick up on a conversation at that exact place to nurture them into let's have the conversation again which I think is great um one of the things that I am really loving right now that I know is I I, I've seen people talking about high-end offers are dead high-end offers are dead it's not the time for high-end offers I'm like it's still the time for high-end offers. It's just a time to restructure your high-end offer and figure out where it's landed. And the reason why I love having a high-end offer is because you don't need as much volume of clients in order to hit your revenue goals, which means you don't need the same volume of leads in order to hit your revenue goals, which means you can have a small marketing budget and still hit your revenue goals, which is why I think we cannot deem high-end offers to be irrelevant in a recession because during a recession, you also don't have the volume of marketing money to run leads, you know, run ads and you, you just have to be more conscientious. And so I love helping clients to get like a, a 10 to $20,000 offer that they can literally close one to two units a month and be in a really good place financially. Like their business is good. Maybe it's not everything that they want, but at least it gives them a foundation behind it. How that ties in with the, you know, the slow buyers and the fast buyers is it actually is having a high end offer is kind of an equalizer because nobody makes a 10 to $20,000 decision in a really fast way there, it causes everybody to slow down and go deep. And so your whole structure is built around being able to give them the depth of information that they need in order to be able to make that high level decision. So I, I don't know, I'm just going to use your example there to chalk up the fact that I'm totally right on this. And it's the only way to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Proof. You just proved it. I'm right. There you go. <laughs> I like proving you right, Amy Walker. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this then. In terms of first, let's let's do some definitions. You know, my mathematical mm -hmm. brain always goes to like let's let's establish the facts first, right? Yep. So first we have to define what does it mean to be a fast action buyer and what mm -hmm. does it mean to be a slow buyer. I consider, and some people have, may have different um timelines on this, but I consider a fast action buyer, somebody who buys within a week of having been exposed to your offer. Mm -hmm. Anybody who does takes longer, I consider a slow action buyer. Mm -hmm. So you might okay. need a nurture sequence in their email. You might need to follow up. You might need to um, create a sales call appointment or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. They may need to talk about it with their um, business advisory you know, folks, et cetera, whatever. If it takes longer than a week, you're officially a slow person. Okay. Um, and then as in terms of high end, that also depends on the market. 
because yep. buying a hundred thousand dollar Rolls Royce is not high end for Rolls Royce. That's actually mm-hmm. on the low end. But right. for coaching packages, you know, twenty thousand right. um, dollars is a lot of money for some people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have to define what that is for you, for your um, audience, for and for you in terms of your own um, money upper limit, which we'll get into in, an, in another episode. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And the other thing that you have to consider is your level of cost, right? So if you're in a low cost service, then a $20,000 offer where 20,000 of it is mostly profit might be more profitable than somebody who's in construction and looking at a $200,000 house, you know? So yes, your high-end offer, depending on your industry, is going to look really different. But I do want to talk a little bit about what constitutes a high-end offer? Because when I hear people talk about the high-end offer bubble has popped, mm-hmm. what I think they're talking about is selling crap for a ton of money has popped. And I don't know how that didn't pop sooner because <laughs> I've bought some $5,000 programs that I was like, really? That's it? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot. So when we're structuring a high-end offer and we're trying to create, you know, what do we want our package to be like? I think it's really important that you look at what are the high value, low time items that you can produce. And, um, in the beginning of the high-end offer, you know, scene, I think what people were doing was they were trying to add in a lot of, uh, just a lot of stuff, but it's not necessarily high use. It's just a lot of stuff like, oh, I'll throw in this and I'll throw in this and I'll throw in this and that. And you get so much stuff that you don't even know what to do with it. So I'll give you an example of one thing that I have done is when I have a client come into my $10,000 program, I give them my fully constructed funnels. And so they can see all of the copywriting for it. They can see all of the strategy. They can see all of the trackers and then they can just take that and they, you know, they can't copy, they can't Uh, plagiarize my words, but they can take the structure and then they can go use it and they can rebuild it. It's something that does not take me any time because I already built that funnel, right? I wrote that for me. I'm using it. It's out in play already. It does not take me any more time, but to bring a client in and be able to say, okay, here, by the way, here is a library of four um, completely built funnels. Each one of them has produced six figures. Use them if you want to. Like that's a high value, low time item that is actually going to get used. Yes. And, and the way that you know that is high value is because of how it lands for the client. There have been so many times that you can, that I've seen this with people who I've coached, business owners, entrepreneurs that I've coached, that they consider something high value because of what it means to them. Right. <laughs> how long it took them to come to a... But I worked so hard on it. And it's like, yeah, nobody like, wants okay, it. But it's, but it's a crappy cake. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I hear you that it means a lot, but that doesn't mean that it's high value. So it, that again, that goes to our definitions, right? Of what, what constitutes high value. And part of it also is the, that you are responsible and I know sometimes people don't like to hear this. I know I'm being contrarian when I say this, Amy Walker, but I will. This is a hill I'm willing to die on. You are responsible, not for how or when somebody uses your stuff, but that they understand the value of what you're giving them and what they're providing. What you do with it is up to you, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not claiming responsibility for somebody else's actions, but you are responsible for communicating the value of your stuff. 
Mm-hmm. That's all about messaging. That's all about, um, you know, buying psychology, which, you know, I talk about in my sales mastery formula course, et cetera, et cetera. You have to know how to communicate it so that people can value it based on the value that you're placing on it. And, um, and then part of it also is, you know, we know that when we invest, when we are highly invested in something, whether it's because of our money or our time, we tend to be much more involved in making sure that it works. If I just yeah. pay $27 for something, it's like, ah, you know, I'll get to it when I can. Right. Well, and that is the other, that's the other thing that I feel like we've moved past is when info products first started coming out and online courses, digital courses, it was so new and novel that we were all excited to just consume, 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 consume. And everybody now has bought too many courses that they never did and never used. And so the, that process of making sure that people are using, and I know we can't control, but we can set up a context that helps support that. We can set up a a community of accountability. We can set up a context of support. And so when we build that infrastructure in, it's so much more valuable. I I could have, actually, I do have this. I I have an $18,000 program and a $1,000 program that use the same information. It's the same information, it's the same videos, it's the same content. The difference is there's zero accountability. Like they just get it and whatever they do with it, they do with it versus having like a high level of accountability. Somebody who's there watching to make sure that you're completing, getting feedback on your work to make sure that it's going well. Like it's just a very different experience. And so I think we've got to look at that when we're building in the offer is, you know, how, what resources are we creating that go along with the information that make it more usable and more um, high, high value. Then we've got to look at the accountability and the support that they're going to have. And then I think the other component to look at there is, um, there's two more. I think it's your community and I think it's the results that you're generating and people I feel like a few years ago, it used to be about like length of time, like a year long program was better than a six month program, right? Now I think people are like, what is the fastest way I can get to this result? Okay. You can get like, if you can get me a six figure income stream and you can get me in six weeks, that's better than six months. It's way better than a year. And so people really want to get to that point of result fast. And so I I really think that we are in a phase of needing to restructure our offers and who we're selling to and what are the results that we're trying to produce. And I believe that we've entered into a season where it's not about knowing everything. It's about knowing what's really relevant and what solves today's problems. Cause there's a lot of problems today. So we might as well solve them. Yeah. And, and part of being in a, in a coaching, a healing, um, a consulting advisory position as a thought leader, et cetera, which is what most of our listeners are in any one of those four categories that I just mentioned, um, is knowing, knowing how to do triage. You know, mm-hmm. people pay you for your discernment. People pay you for your um, point of view and for your wisdom and lived experience. Um, the reason why we listen to mentors is because they have already stepped on the landmines that we're trying to avoid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in terms of the technicality or the logistics of actually structuring your offer, uh, so we've talked about the psychology of it. And we talked about the why and et cetera. Um, in terms of how to actually do that, I'll, I'll get people started with these three things. Number one, get clear on where you want to be um, 
position-wise and profit-wise, right? Do mm -hmm. you want to be thought of as the technician that gets it done or the advisor that, that can, um, you know, yield fast results because you've already, you've already done it, right? Yeah. I always hear that, that um, story of the, or the plumber who went into somebody's house who was flooding and he just did think, 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 just like three little quick taps. But then he, he billed the woman like a thousand dollars. She's like, what? You were here for 30 seconds. You're going to have to line itemize this. They're like, how am I paying a thousand dollars? And she, and he said, hammer, $1, you know, pipes or whatever, $2, knowing when to hit, how long and how hard, $997 or whatever. Right? So you're actually paying for somebody's experience, not for the technical execution of it. Um, so you want to, you want to know number one, your, your, profit, how much you want to make, how much you want to keep of that profit. And number two, what's your position? Do you want to know? Do you want to be the technician? Do you want to be the advisor? And then finally, what is it? What time and emotional investment do you want to have involved in that particular offer? Because mm -hmm. there are some people, Amy, you're awesome at connecting. You're awesome at the personal interaction thing. I'm not so good at that. And so for me, it's like, if I'm going to put one-on-one -on -one time in it, if I'm going to put like, you, we're going to have live Q and A's and coaching hours, et cetera, that's going to be at a premium because that's more expensive to me energetically than it is for somebody for whom that's a natural thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I want to take this to a different perspective as well, because for some people, this is a, like a natural conversation. If they're a coach, a consultant, an advisor, um, but then you've got other service providers like doctors, dentists, massage therapists, um, health and wellness practitioners. So there's a lot of people who they provide a service that is commoditized in our minds, right? Like we've, for such a long time, we've been looking at it as I pay this much every time I go for this appointment, hairstylist. So I have seen business owners in these types of service industries create packages and create these value ads and sell packages and do it really, really successfully. And I want to talk a little bit about that because what you're talking about is that exact thing where, you know, the plumber comes in and um, they, which I've heard that story before, but I was trying to remember, I heard it in a different context. Um, but when they come in and they, you know, itemize, people question their time because they sold it as time. They don't question your time when you sell it as a package. So I will give a couple tips and Monica, I'd love to hear a couple tips from you as well for business owners who maybe are in those types of service industries of how they can add value. But one of the things that I have seen is when you sell a package, you can add in some other useful resources. Like for example, I have a client who is a hairstylist and um, she sells people, um, she does natural hair and so she sells scalp care packages as well. So it's not just, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna get my hair done. It's that I pay this amount per month and it includes my products and it includes my treatments. And then every time I come in, even if I'm only coming in every three months, I also get all of the extra necessaries that are going to keep my hair in its optimum health and my scalp in its optimum health. And I love that because so many hairstylists out there would never think I can create a package. They just think my clients come in, you know, and I want them to come in every three months 
but maybe they only come in once a year and I just take it every time they come in. And she's gotten her business to the point where she doesn't do one-off haircuts. She's like, no, this is how we do it because I'm committed to your natural hair and your scalp health. And so this is the way that it goes. Um, and she's got a lot of clients who are totally happy to do that because they're happy with the output. I have a client who does, um, muscle alignment reprogramming therapy. He is a massage therapist, but it is not a fluff and buff. Like when he works on you, he basically turns all your muscles around and like you, you walk out and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm a new human with a yeah. new muscular system. It's amazing, but not, not relaxing. Yeah. You would never go there for like a present to treat yourself. <laughs> But he's this, you know, very specialized massage therapist running a multi six figure massage therapy practice. And what he has done is he's created concierge services so that they have, they pay an, a, they pay for their amount per year that gives them the concierge services. So then they get, they, they pay this thousand dollar fee for, per year, which gives them prime scheduling. Um, it gives them the ability to be on the calendar more than other people. Other people can only book out like one appointment or two appointments at a time. They can book out several at a time. And so it allows them to be able to be like the, the premier clients. Um, and that process of being able to think through how can I change the way that people think from it's an hour of my time. Cause I, I hate, I don't know about you, Monica. I hate when people ask me how much it costs for an hour. I'm like, you don't even want to know that rate because it's like $1,500 per hour. If I take my package and I divide it, it's like $1,500 per hour. And if you're only going to do one, that's kind of a waste of your time. What I really can do for you is I can create these results if you'll go through the whole process with me. And it, it's, it's a shift so that you're not always trading dollars for hours. I love that what you're saying there because a lot of times, um, this is also a great way to escape the commoditization trap. Mm -hmm. You know, where, where you're just, you know, people are, customers and clients are just kind of like going for the cheapest thing. Right? Yeah. And because all things being equal, all variables being equal, I'm just going to pay the cheapest one. But if you, if you actually create packages like that and you differentiate yourself, by the time that you get around to adding value, it seems like such a treat, right? Mm -hmm. there, you know this because you and I are friends. It is really hard to get me on the phone, like really hard. You can send me a text. You can send me a WhatsApp. We can do Facebook Messenger. You can do DMs and Instagram, whatever. For you to be able to get me on the phone you must be some kind of special. <laughs> and so there have been clients who get on a group Q&A call and they'll actually start their conversation with, I was just talking to Monica on the phone and people are like, oh, you got Monica on the phone. <laughs> and so you want, and it's kind of like the way that people take pictures with, you know, brand name purses or they're on this yacht or they're wearing this uh, watch or whatever. They're all commodities. But because you've positioned it, in a particular way, then they are proud of getting that access. They want to brag. And it's, it's a social proof and a, and a statement of, of value that doesn't have to come from you. You don't have to toot your own horn because you've established it that way. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good lead into, um, and I know we're just about out of time on this episode, but there's one other thing that I had in my mind before, which is positioning and pricing. And you're like leading perfectly into that. I, when I'm looking at how I want to price things, I think you can either go for 
being um, like uh, where I like to be. I'll tell you where I like to be and where I like my clients to be is um, towards the upper end, not the most expensive because I feel like when you are the top of the top, there's a ton of pressure that goes along with that. And there's a ton of um, expectation and a lot of it's unfair. Like I've, I've heard people go to Tony Robbins events and just rip them apart mm-hmm. because they weren't perfectly what they were expecting from the best guru in the whole nation, right? Like there's just no way to, no way to please. Um, and although I've never been, so I can't say one way or another. Um, but then I also think when you try to position yourself towards a budget friendly option, what happens is there's always somebody who can do it for less. And so you have no customer loyalty because they didn't come in because they really valued your expertise and what you do. They came in because they wanted the budget friendly option. And so when you are the budget friendly option, you have to have huge volume of clients and you're always competing for that lowest end spot. And there's always somebody who can come in and undercut you for a minute. You know, maybe they can't sustain it, but they can undercut you for a minute and then you lose customers. So I like to be like towards the, towards the top of the pack, but not at the top of the pack when I'm looking at pricing. But then you also have to position yourself and your brand as though you are that. Because if you have a brand, you know, we're talking about Rolls Royce, you couldn't have a Kia brand and a Rolls Royce price, right? Like it's just not going to work. So you've got to make sure that you've got congruence all the way through. Well, I think we, I think we covered it. Is there anything else that you want to add? Any last minute words of Monica wisdom? I mean, I would love to hear from our audience. Where are you in this conversation? This is, this is something that is an ongoing strategy, um, best practices discussion inside of our Facebook group. And, um, and it's a great opportunity for you to get clear on where you are, um, harken back to the, to the episode that we did about thought leadership, because a lot of times, and here's something that just gets at my craw, Amy, is when people say, uh, at your charge what? My I've never heard that like saying before. Just, it just hits, it just grates on my nerves, you know? Um, when somebody says charge, craw. I'm going to use, I'm going to use that in conversation this week. That just in my craw. <laughs> Okay, when people say, you know, you have to charge what you're worth as a, as a way to justify, like that's not math, people. First of yeah. all, you are a creation of God. You are priceless. Nobody can afford what you're worth. Not even you. Okay. Right. So that's number one. And number two, it has to make mathematical sense. One yes. of the things that I have noticed when I, when I help my clients through the whole pricing strategy and positioning strategy is that when they see the numbers, then like the whole psychology and like psych, uh, money block thing or whatever, it's like, oh, it goes away because like it actually makes sense. I'm not pulling a number out of my butt. I'm actually, this makes mathematical sense for my business, yes. for, my clients, for the market. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. And also it, it clarifies your profit margins from the very yeah. get-go. Yeah. Um, and I've had conversations with people where they're like, you know, going to the budget option saying, I found somebody who does what you do and they're going to do the same thing. And it's only going to cost me $500. I'm like, okay, well let's do the math and see how much they're making. And then you do it and you're like, here's how much they're making hourly, but it also doesn't cover any business expenses. It doesn't cover any marketing. It doesn't cover the cost of having a team. So, you know, if that's, that's what you want, you're welcome to go that way, but I wouldn't want to work for that. I wouldn't want you to work for that. So if you want to build a stronger business, I'm happy. I'm here. 
So I think when you price yourself that way and you understand that structure as well, it gives you more power when you go in to like know that it's not just I'm charging what I'm worth, but like, no, these are the outcomes we're going to produce. These, I, I know my profit margins are covered. I know that I'm getting what I need to get out of this. I'm giving you what you need to get out of this. Structuring your offers just really gives you so much more confidence in the sales conversation. Absolutely. Awesome. And that's all we got to say about that. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for being a supporter of your circle of influence podcast. We would love to have you in the group as Monica was just mentioning. And also we love your reviews. We love your comments. We love when you rate the podcast and share it with your friends. So please um, be an active contributor in the conversation and we cannot wait to hear from you. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone.